Hello again, and welcome to the Red Dwarf Introcast, where longtime fans and newbies alike journey together into the darkest, deepest regions of space to talk about Red Dwarf, episode by episode. Uh, this week we are going to be talking about Season 7, episode... is it 5 or 6? Hmm. I suppose I'll check that up before I started I recording six. this. <laughs> uh, episode 6, there we go. Beyond a joke. Uh, my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. I'm Darren. Hi, Darren. Hi, Darren. <laughs> Darren is our special guest this week, so we have a crazy transcontinental uh, podcast. Well, you know, we've got good three times. this time. <laughs> indeed, we are covering the globe. And indeed, in fact, like literally, Darren, I think you are half a world away, almost literally. Yeah. From me. <laughs> Yeah. Like both in the, the northern and southern end and left end, uh, east to west, I think if I drilled straight down, I, I would pop up somewhere near you. Well, us in um, us in Tipperdians have to come in useful for something. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, um, let's see. Shane's going to tell us uh, what the episode is about in just a minute. But before we do that, if you want to remind, you've been on before, but remind folks uh, who you are and. Uh, why you're hanging out with, with the Red Dwarf Geeks here. I'm Darren, also known as Fozzie the Aussie. Um, I've been a Red Dwarf fan since my early 20s when it was first released. And the main thing I'm trying to plug at the moment is I'm trying to get an Andromeda cast up. So if anyone likes Andromeda, drop me a line, please. That'll cover it. Awesome. Uh, well, actually, I said we were going to do the episode synopsis, but before we do that, we have a little bit of show business to take care of here. Um, so, we apparently have the best fans of any podcast ever. Uh, I put up a request the other day because we were running out of bandwidth, and really, uh, quite possibly, we would have run out of bandwidth before we got to, uh, put out this episode, and nobody would have been able to hear it until we reset at the end of the month, and that would have been horrible. Uh, but we put out a request to see if maybe some folks would mind dropping a, a dollar or two here and there, and maybe in a couple weeks we'd be able to scrounge together enough to upgrade our account and have lots of bandwidth. Well, um, that didn't happen. Instead, a bunch of people gave incredibly generously and very quickly. And like, what was it, had two to hours? Yeah, it took about yeah two hours, and we had we had I mean everything we needed, and we were just amazed. Uh, so thank you all, and I know like a lot of a lot of folks had said that they were planning on donating, but we had to cut it off too quickly because um, otherwise we would have had more than we needed, and we're not looking to just take people's money. Yeah. We, we were just wanting to make sure <laughs> that we would be able to to keep getting the podcast out to you, and uh, and you've all made that possible. So I just want to give a shout out here by name uh, to. A few folks, uh, the folks who donated here, uh, Rosie, of course, uh, helped us out a bit, uh, John Doran, uh, Russ Greeno, uh, Lorraine Haynes, Chris Riley, uh, Kirsty Steele, Ian Symes, even though, you know, see, we, we steal the dude's podcast name and still uh, he comes through for us. Awesome. And, uh, and Simon Taylor. Uh, all of you, seriously, uh, thank you so much for, for helping us out, and we're just so thrilled, and we're going to do everything we can to keep putting out awesome episodes for you uh, as as a thank you. Um, anything else we want to add there, Shane? I just want to say thank you. Um, yeah. We're incredibly shocked 
how fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was out of the house at the time when he put the donation link up, and I got back into the house a couple of hours later, saying, mm-hmm. "Can you?" Me- s- seeing the donation like and link up, then as soon as it, I saw it, <laughs> he's just taking it down again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just want to say thanks to everyone. It really Indeed. means a lot to all of us. It really does. Indeed. And moving forward, hopefully um, by the time the the year, and this is not, not like end of the year, this is eight, 12 months from now, hopefully by the time it rolls around again, uh, we're working on uh, converting over to a different kind of system where we can have everything streaming and permanently archived for free because you know we're we're not we know we're not going to be around forever um eventually we're going to get caught up and we can't really be an intro cast anymore uh but uh you know whenever that happens but that's in the distant distant future but i want to make sure that these episodes are up in case somebody still wants to to listen and uh you know so yeah but we're, we're working on that too so hopefully this will be the last time we will have any kind of need like that but again thank you all so much um okay that being said, uh, let's talk about Series 7, Episode 6, Beyond a Joke. Crichton is driven to destruction by the rest of the crew. Not only did they disappear off to Prussian Prejudice Land where he, when he cooked them a special dinner, but when they return, this to insist of having brown sauce on his lobster. This is too much for Crichton, and his head explodes. The others visit another ship to get a new head for Crichton, when they encounter a simulant who double-crosses them and steals Crichton for himself. The, st- the simulant orders another mecha droid, the ultra-zone-addicted Abel, to fix him. As they escape, Crichton learns something about his past that shocks him, and Abel learns the truth about what it means to be a brother. Aww. Yeah. So this episode... This episode. First of all, did we notice who wrote the episode? Yes, we did. Indeed. We noticed right away. Yes. Throwing his two cents in there. So, so Abel was basically B four from Star Trek Nemesis. (laughs) Or you know, chronologically, B four was basically Abel. (laughs) Yeah. From. But, yeah, very different sort of episode, I felt like. Um, I don't know, some different... It, it was a mixed bag for me, and apparently there were some pretty strong reactions just glancing <laughs> over our feedback. Um, okay, i got to tell you... I will you, say this, though. Uh, uh, go ahead, please. Oh, just, I, I was going to say that starting out, you know, I've been annoyed because Crichton has been really whiny and really insecure these last few episodes, and really... Nobody has done anything to warrant or justify that. It's all been in his head. Uh, the possibility that uh, Lister's going to get with Kachansky and then they're not going to care about him anymore. Finally, though, we at least see some behavior that does justify, in part at least, his behavior. Yeah. Well, sort of. That's as far as I'm going to go with that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but at least, like, because you know, he had, they didn't remember that it was the anniversary, which, okay, I mean, dates and times get a bit confusing in space, but okay, that happens. Then he was going to surprise them with a meal, but they didn't know that, so, you know, okay, that's fine. But 
one, they apparently were planning their little trip to Jane Austen world uh, without Crichton, because he knew nothing about it, otherwise he would have scheduled this differently. And then two, you know, once Lister found out, he really should have told the others what was up, and they could have put off their video game to celebrate with Crichton. They would have immediately done that. Like, Kachansky would have... Because, you know, she's... She's nice. <laughs> and it's not as if they're competing with anyone else for booking the AR suite, so... Exactly. Right? And Kat would have just gone along with what everyone else was doing. And Kat would have just... Oh, I actually think Kat would have said, Food? Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Okay, and seriously, lobster. you cannot put lobster in the oven for two hours. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, you have to eat it as soon as it's cooked, or else it's going to get rubbery and awful. Yes. Yeah, pretty much any shell, shellfish. Uh, the joke with scallops is, you know, you cook it for ten minutes, or you might as well cook it for three hours, because it'll all, all be the same after that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and kind of the irony is that the whole routine's trying to establish how posh she is, and then she makes a standard error like that. <laughs> well, maybe she's yeah. never, like, cooked before. She's so well, posh that she's never been around, you know, food preparation. <laughs> well, that's possible, I guess, yeah. Except for opening a thing of uh, uh, cottage, cottage cheese, cheese and putting some pineapple <laughs> chunks in it. <laughs> But, I mean, to me, this this all comes down to Lister. Yeah. Lister should have, have manned up and, and said, no, no, guys, guess what? You know, it's Crichton's anniversary of coming aboard, and he's made this special meal for us, and we'll, we'll get to Jane Austen later. And th- I think it would have been cool. But, no. I don't know. I don't even know why he didn't stand up unless it was just, I, I don't know, maybe he just peer pressure or you know yeah man you need to get into some 19th century literature oh this has got all the authority this comment's got all the authority of having just been made up on the spot but um Hmm. maybe just before then he'd had a lecture from christine about you'll try anything to get out of this won't you maybe um maybe but even then it, it felt I mean, I was glad that he had some justification for being pissed off, but it felt contrived in a way that I don't understand why Lester just sort of didn't do anything. (laughs) And it looks like uh, we have Paul on the line. Yay! Shane, you want to invite Paul in? Of course I can, no problem. There you go. Hi, Paul. Hi. Hi, Paul. Hey, man. Hello. <laughs> right, so which part, right, what part of the episode are we up to? We've just, um, we just, just started talking about it. Just started, yeah. yeah. Basically, okay. they're, they're ditching Crichton to go to Jane Austen World. Yeah. Oh, I bet, um, bet Angela loved it. Okay, <laughs> when they show up in Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice Land, then yes. I squeed so hard that I think that dogs could hear me from, like, across the park. I was like, and there, and Kat isn't the costume, and there's, like, Mary reading her book and being all emo loner, and they're all, like, taking a turn around the park, and they're gonna have tea in Mr. Bingley's 
gazebo, and it's awesome. <laughs> Though why would Lister want to be dressed as a, a priest or reverend or whatever he was there? I, I, I've got a... Uh, I've got a quote, actually, from an interview about that. Mm. Um, uh, Craig Charles Pouty drew the f- short straw. <laughs> there were six available women with the Bennett sisters, and Robert managed to rope me in as a vicar. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because he didn't want to get with any of the Bennett sisters. Uh, uh, i got another thing from Robert Llewellyn here. Craig's got to be a vicar. He doesn't get any. There you go. He did not look like he was having fun in Pride and Prejudice Land. But despite uh, wardrobe malfunctions, I think Kat was having a ball. (laughs) Yeah. And I've got I've got so much about Prize and Prejudice World. So (laughs) (laughs) uh, I've got an interview from Denny John Jules about his costume. I had extraordinary tight pants, he said. He, <laughs> um, he just he looked like Mr. Darcy. He's geared up, but he had do- his head done for the wrong period. Aww. So it's Mr. Darcy from the neck down, but from the top up, he looks like Amadeus. But he wasn't <laughs> even dressed up as Mr. Darcy because he was dressed up in military uniform. Mm. The, the outfit reminded me slightly of his Blade 2 appearance, to be honest. Just from mm. distance shots when he was slightly out mm-hmm. of focus, it looked very much like that. But Darren's mm-hmm. Darren's big prediction prediction for the Season 7 spoiler, spoiler cast? Wrong! What was that? Oh, really? I, I didn't think you'd like Jane Austen World. I love oh. Jane Austen World. Darren, what you got to realise, anything literary on screen, Angela Squeezer. I'm going to be all over that. Vague mentions of books, I'm going to be all over that. Oh, they have to be wrong sometimes. Denny John Jules, did they have a bit of a problem on set, actually, recording the Jane Austen world? He couldn't couldn't do his zip. No, he he took his teeth out on location, uh, and then he couldn't do his zip. <laughs> <laughs> he was eat, he was eating some grapes and spitting the pips into the same hand he had remo- into his removed spitting it into the same hand as his removed fangs. Mm-hmm. So guess what happened? He threw him away. Yeah. Ah. He's put them, he threw them into the dustbin. Should have got some seedless grapes. I know, right? Who do, who gets seeded grapes? Seriously. Danny John Jules. Obviously. Well, he has crap tasting grapes. <laughs> <laughs> so they were in the middle of shooting, and n- no teeth, basically. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to his teeth. Me either. Just had crazy, crazy costumes. My two, my two sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Cat was dressed as um, um, Mr. Wickham. Maybe. Which would make a lot of sense. That's really. why they were all over him. No. Because Mr. Wickham. 
Mm-hmm. Wicked Wickham. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so they're they're hanging out there, and it's it's very silly, but you know, hilarious. And then uh, Crichton decides he's going to take care of Jane Austen World. He's going to take care of some business. And it was hilarious. The reaction shots from these actresses were the best part of this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, just their looks of shock as they're being caught in traps and shot by darts. That was great. Mm-hmm. That tank was bowled from the James Bond stage at Levison Film Studio to a golden age which filmed in 1995. <laughs> oh. oh, I remember that tank. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, goodness, yeah. That was so ridiculous in the James Bond movie. It was fantastic. It was less ridiculous in this than it was in the James Bond movie. <laughs> um, actually, I think I, I would never have thought of it, and I, I know we'll get to it when we do feedback, but somebody pointed out that uh, the tank came out in, like, oh. the 70s. Yeah. It was not a World War II tank. But... Can I, can I, can I mention something yeah. else about the tank? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I I'm kind of guessing Shane has this this bit of trivia as well, but you, I, I, you want to take it the same. <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah, take it. Please. That that, that tank uh, was also used in the film Golden Eye. Oh, yeah. Piers Morgan, not Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Piers Morgan as James Bond. <laughs> I want to see that so much now. That's I, that I, would be amazing. Piers. Mr. Brosnan, if you ever listen to this podcast, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it should be. Oh, wow. Mm. But I can justify the having a non-World War II tank because he pulled it out of a video game that was created a long time after World War II. Seriously, how historically accurate could that be? Like, well, you just have to just have to look at Medal of Honor. True. It's got a lot and, of weapons. We've got. And it could be a cheat code tank. <laughs> we do know that oh cheat codes my. exist in the alternate reality suite. But the look on Kachansky's face especially. Oh, yes. It's like that look of shock... And then, like, she just looks, and I'm like, oh, you son of a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, and I know so that, that this shows, times. like, a cultural bias, but every time, like, a British person talks about having tea, I picture, like, the same atmosphere of the Bingleys in the gazebo <laughs> with the teeny tiny <laughs> teacups. <laughs> Well, you should, because that's what it is. Awesome. That's what I had. That's, I had um, jam and cream scones. <laughs> um, petty paws. And a nice English tea. Awesome. Hmm? In a gazebo? I didn't really. Mm. Oh, yes, in a gazebo. Yeah. And you were wearing the dress, strangely enough. I don't know why. And the bonnet. Yeah. Oh, good. But only for tea. Uh, of course. Dress would look ridiculous without the bonnet. Um, I had my Doc Martin shoe boots on, though. <laughs> well, you can't Sometime, be comfortable. 
if we ever get over there, I'm going to make the abomination uh, that is that we call sweet tea here for y'all. And uh, it's gonna be awesome. You will just be shocked and amazed. <laughs> I will yes. say though, um, for anyone with a Celtic mother, that's not an overreaction to being late for dinner. That's that's quite tame and timid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, so, you miss the anniversary um, dinner, you get a tank to the gazebo. <laughs> Just saying. And the, but even even before that, though, when he's stalking about with the blowgun mm-hmm. and the traps and making the, the Ewok traps and... Uh, yeah, just I got a chuckle out of it because it wasn't just the usual. Oh, I'm so whiny and upset about things. It was, it, he was actually like, I'll show them. There was a reason. Yeah, and and he, it was hilarious. But missed my um, anniversary dinner with all you. Did you notice they also picked up on the common thriller type movie trope that the quiet girl was safe? She couldn't be harmed. <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Hmm. I loved the way the the. The um, Creighton um, picked up each yeah. Bennett sister. That was quite good. Mm-hmm. Axe to Lydia's head. I mean, it was just no. That, that was in the cutscenes, I guess. <laughs> no, that's yeah, in present uh, and so then... zombies. <laughs> what do you guys think of the explosion? That was a good oh, explosion. It was, yes. Explosion test. And they loved it so much that they put it in the opening credits for everything. <laughs> that wasn't a, that wasn't a, a miniature. Oh really? Yeah, that was actually a real proper explosion. With the actors uh, in it. Like <laughs> 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 the pants had to be so tight because they had to make it fireproof. <laughs> Uh, to give you an idea of just how big that explosion was, though, that was done on a military artillery range, so people around there are used to <laughs> loud noises. People still gave noise complaints about it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They it, went all out. It was a lovely day in August, and many people were enjoying the sunshine in their garden when pieces of gazebo fell from the air. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't the best day for public relations. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt my head when that bit of gazebo landed on me. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> quote from an interview with Craig Charles, that got us into a lot of trouble. It was the biggest explosion I've ever witnessed, and we were about a half mile back, and we could still feel the blast. <laughs> Robert was filming it on his camcorder, and he almost dropped it. <laughs> what were they using for explosives? C4? No, they used a tank. Wow. It was explosive ribbon. Oh. It was... Oh, it has just occurred to me, actually. Um, yeah, I had the the Pride Prejudice side open earlier so I could remember character names. Um, uh, Lister would have been Mr. Collins. Ew. That's... And Kachansky would have set him up as Mr. Collins, who is described as not a sensible man, and the deficiency of nature had been but little assisted by education or society. Oh. Because Kachansky is cruel. <laughs> so there we go. It has been accounted for. It has for. been accounted for. And now the episode go downhill. Um, <laughs> well, the next scene actually has a bit of quiet humor 
that I really liked where Kachansky and Lister are like over complimenting the meal and you know it's just one of those scenes where you know that your mom is pissed off and you're having to eat the food that she cooked and so you can't talk about anything you can't relax and you have to be really nice but you know that nothing that you say is doing any good and you just want it all to end <laughs> it that was yeah. i appreciated that and Danny John sorry Danny John Jules fart dumbfounded look through it all <laughs> just... yeah because cat and he doesn't get like human drama he he doesn't get like people's feelings because it has nothing to do with him. <laughs> so, um, a little bit of a, a different terms in use here. So, um, do you call just any brown sauce brown ketchup? Yeah. What is brown? What is it? <laughs> what is it? Brown ketchup. I've always assumed barbecue sauce. I was thinking what, what Worcestershire sauce, but. Well, there's uh, red tomato ketchup and brown. Yeah, but what is brown ketchup? See, to me, the only the only ketchup that that's ever referred to here is red tomato ketchup. Yeah. Other sauces have other names that aren't ketchup. Okay, I'm looking up brown ketchup. Y'all keep talking. <laughs> I tried to look up it's brown not ketchup. But... Brown ketchup is brown sauce. Okay, I'm looking up brown yeah. sauce. HP. That's all you need. To... Okay, HP. so yeah, we we know HP sauce. Yeah, we yeah, do. Okay. But it, it's just sometimes called brown ketchup, then. No, it's never oh, okay. ever called brown ketchup. Ever. <laughs> Why did they? I think that <laughs> never. I think that might be a mistaken attempt to appeal to American audiences and just got it wrong. That, huh. That's a guess, though. I'm, I couldn't swear to it. But we never call anything brown ketchup. Hence, they got it wrong. Part. I know. <laughs> yeah. How odd. I mean, I guess I've seen brown ketchup when somebody just let it go bad for a few months, but they, I know he didn't want that on the lobster. Um, anyway. Okay, this one forum is saying that brown ketchup is like HP sauce or steak sauce. Weird. Why? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that, that, that threw us off a bit, but anyway. Basically, um, what you've got to understand, in the UK, the, the three... The three daddies of condiment sauces. You got ketchup, salad cream, <laughs> and brown sauce. Mm-hmm. So, like, condiments are going to be, like, the key to all of Crichton's psychoses. He <laughs> <laughs> needs his condiment chip. Yeah. So just, <laughs> That's going to be the next episode t- Searching for Crichton's condiment chip. Just wait until you see the tartar sauce incident, man. It's going to be hard. Uh, see, that seems a bit fishy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! I'm yes. sorry to take this conversation for a complete tangent here. But I just... We're already on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a uh, thing called banana ketchup. A worker. <laughs> sorry. Not, I apologize. Not here. <laughs> You need to do your explosion sounds on there. Why would anyone create banana ketchup? 
And what would you put it on? Banana ketchup was made when there was a shortage of tomato ketchup during World War Two due to the lack of tomatoes and the and the comparatively I... high production of bananas. Why do they have so many bananas? They're not a tropical zone. <laughs> No, it, it was it was a it was a it was, a, it was the bananas f- could have been brought there by <laughs> by swallows. No, it was, it was made in it was made they could in have migrated. It was for the Philippines. Shane, take a step back from the microphone, take a deep breath, and then come back when when you can. <laughs> it was made in the Philippines. Awesome. And Philippines is nowhere near the UK. Yep. The Philippines would be very oh, difficult to get to during World War Two. There's a bit of a war See, going under- on around there. Well, hold on. Because the Philippines is near Australia, yes. Darren, is is banana ketchup well known in Australia? No, it's banana liqueur is about the weirdest thing we've done with bananas. <laughs> well, people have done weirder things with bananas, but... Well, let's not go there. I'm just wondering. Um, I'm wondering uh, if it's the number of Queenslanders in the RAF for the Battle of Britain. Their their economy said banana dependent. We refer to them as banana benders here. Apparently, you can buy it in the United States. I'm sorry. Did you say banana benders? <laughs> yep. Guys, I'm just gone. No, no, no disrespect, but could you not have had a better name? <laughs> Because that brings a whole different idea in my head. Well, and let's just circle back around. Just, here. just to be fair, though, I will point out I'm a New South Welshman, and our, our nickname is cockroaches because we're basically See, pumping them. Mm. Oh, I'm back. So, Aust- Australian yeah. slang, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh-huh. here I was wondering so, if that was a knife or not. On oh, the condiment. No, next, next on the condiment podcast, <laughs> we shall um, be discussing the different types of mustard. Can you cut the mustard? <laughs> next up, an Australian slang task. Let, let's examine the shape of Tasmania on a map. And... <laughs> See if it looks like a tornado. <laughs> anyway, um. Oh. Oh, good. Um, I'm wiping tears Maybe not out many of my people eyes, So, um, uh, moving I, forward. I, this podcast is going to be so much better than the episode. It's going to be horrible. Okay. Um, this is what you get, folks. You support us, and this is what happens. We talk about banana ketchup. You knew what you were paying for. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, where did we get to? Okay, brown ketchup, yes. And then Crichton Explosion. Crichton blows his top. He, he did. did. Yeah. Kachansky knew something was going to happen because she backed the hell away. <laughs> did you notice the awful special effects? I I gave it well, a mess. It's it's I forgivable. Did. I mean, they yeah they cut to a, a a still of his head and then blew that up and yeah okay you know what it's it's fine it's not as bad as the the zoom in fantasy sequence was a few yeah. episodes back. And I've seen worse with bigger budgets. You know, mm. that's why I sort of was a bit more forgiving. Titanic 2, anyone? Titanic 2? Mm. What? 
Yeah, they were, yeah. What, they the made a sequel of that travesty? No, 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 it was a, sh- it was a uh, film about oh, um, a ship called Titanic 2. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with that one. Um, please don't watch it. <laughs> please, I'm begging you, please, it's the worst film ever, well, sorry. I was going to say it's the worst film ever made, but I can, I've actually just thought of another film, which is even worse. <laughs> well, okay, so now that we're getting to this part, um... I start to get a little bit confused as to some timeline stuff here, because... So, apparently, Crichton said that he found the lobsters on the Centauri, right? Mm -hmm. And they had apparently been on the Centauri, got a bunch of stuff, and came back. And then, when they come back uh, to the Centauri, then there's a simulant on it. And not only that, but it's apparently a far superior, faster ship to Starbug. Hence the question, if it was empty the first time, why didn't they just take it if it's operating and is a superior ship? And if it wasn't, then how did they run around and catch lobsters and not draw the attention of the homicidal simulant monster? What 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 was going on here? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. So it's not just me then, because this seems really weird. I... I didn't even know it was the same ship that they went back to. I thought it was another ship. I thought it was always the the Centauri, mm. Centauri the SS Centauri. Yeah. I was just wondering what the big head aliens were. <laughs> mm. Babylon Five reference, folks. Nobody watches Babylon Five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, more Babylon. people watch that than Andromeda. <laughs> oh, blow. <laughs> <laughs> and more people don't watch either of them <laughs> which is exactly why Andromeda needs an intro cast indeed so. bringing um, it to the people Hercules in space <laughs> yeah when it's at its worst it has moments like that I will admit every show has its good points and bad points I actually liked a lot of Hercules and Xena if you took it for what it was I couldn't take they it were seriously charming. I'm sorry. I don't when think I was a little exactly. supposed to take it seriously. <laughs> if you try to take it seriously, forget it. But yeah. Yeah, when I was a little kid, I saw this show called The Three Stooges Meet Her- Hercules. So <laughs> the only time I watched that show, I kept expecting Curly to pop out going, woo, 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 woo. Aww. Well, wasn't that but, his but... Uh, friend that hung around him? <laughs> <laughs> Aeolus. Yeah. But sometimes you. You would have Ash, and yeah. they would fight the zombies, and it would be awesome. Yeah. Anything's better with Bruce Campbell. It's true. Even brown ketchup. <laughs> it's not brown ketchup, it's sauce. Well, even lobster is better with Bruce Campbell. Even I, lobster. I didn't call it brown ketchup. They called it brown I know. ketchup. I don't care. It's brown sauce, though. Uh, so, yeah. yeah but no, it's the same ship. Um mm-hmm. And it has big crystalline turbine drives, blah, 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 and then they log on to its mainframe, and then they go back, and then they're like, oh, wait, there's a simulant here. So Maybe it's a big ship, and they went to the half maybe. that was simulant-free. Maybe. Yeah, well, it seems like if they found... If they found an operative ship that can go faster than the one that they're in, you know, considering that they're really trying so hard to find Red Dwarf. What maybe. Red Dwarf? What's that? Wasn't that the goal at one point or another? 
Have they completely I, given up on that? I, they haven't mentioned it for quite some I time. I don't know. I thought they'd always been on Starbuck. <laughs> well, competent decision-making isn't exactly the strong suit of our crew. Ah, maybe it's so. It's like a chance, <sighs> Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they find some heads, but they don't have the priming chips, and they decide that they're going to have to uh, dress up as Gelfs, and then for some reason bring Lister the Human along with them they watch as Star if Wars. they're going to trade him which they're not going to trade him but they still want to bring him along instead of leaving him to guard the ship with a bazooka. Yeah, because plot? Okay, this episode was really frustrating for me. First watch I absolutely adored it. Second watch I was like, wait a minute, what? And no, that's not right. And the heck are you doing? <laughs> some of it, I mean, some of their plans here didn't really seem to make sense. Yeah. Um, Although I, I do have a theory that since both Kat and Kachansky can sew, then they made the Gelf costumes together, and I wanted to see that scene. Definitely. Where they're at their sewing machines putting together Gelf costumes. <laughs> <laughs> It's often commented that Kat wouldn't wear that outfit, but I'm I'm not so sure because we've often seen Kat has things that humans would generally seem seem as a bit tacky, like the priest hat in um in um the first series. Kat loved it. Mm. Thought it was awesome. That's mm-hmm. a fearsome hat, I think was the quote. Mm-hmm. So we've got to remember his culture might have slightly different standards of what's good and what's bad. Maybe. And I think if they had shown him making the Gelf costumes, he would have had more, like, creator's pride going into it. Yeah, trying to to account for it. Um, I don't know. So that didn't make much sense. Now, they're trading with the simulant here, although why they didn't bring stuff to trade instead of Lister, but okay, let's let's get past that one. Um, I did enjoy the simulants. Right? So he seemed he seemed a much better one-episode villain than we're used to. So go ahead and tell us what famous British character actor this is and all the series that we haven't seen that he's been in. That's Bruce Campbell and his most famous work in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Bruce Campbell. His chin wasn't nearly manly enough. Shane? Waiting for Shane. Sorry, we sorry. We're asking. Oh, I, I, I genuinely thought that you were going to tell us about this actor and who he was. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Uh, Don Henderson. Yeah. Uh, I know about Don. Okay, go ahead, take it then. I only know one little bit. That's all. Um, <laughs> his voice. Um, that wasn't like effects or anything like that. Um, he had terminal throat cancer. Oh my. And um, he died a couple of weeks after the filming of this episode. So, how very sad. Mm. Yeah. By the way, I should I should point out uh, Dan wasn't joking about Star Wars. <laughs> he pl- oh really? Yeah. He he played uh, General Teague. Okay. Uh, he also appeared in Caron Columbus. Well, we won't um, hold that against him. <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying to pick out things that you that you would know. Uh, oh well, that's an actual general Teague. I want the fictional general Teague. <laughs> <laughs> Fairy tale, true story, Winds and Widows. Ah, uh, yes, you're right. Mm. The BFG. Mm. Okay. 
And so yeah. Okay, but well, I, I don't guess we're terribly familiar with him. But yeah, he must have been then pretty well known character actor then. Quite quite well known, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, he, he was very effective, I thought, for for, for your for your usual one-off simulant villain. Uh, doesn't really require as good an actor as he seems to be. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he was very fun. Mm-hmm. So let's see. They find uh, that they get back to the ship, and it's been rumbled. If only they had left someone behind. <laughs> um, and then they try to catch up with the ship, but then find out that the far superior ship that they just left adrift is better than theirs. And uh, then Kachansky comes up with a brilliant plan. And some nice uh, back and forth dialogue there. I enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, like a literal brilliant uh, plan. Yeah. Now, she's got a cunning plan. And, okay, my favorite part, and I'm not going to take a quote because it's all in facial expressions, when the simulant ship comes around to start chasing them, she gets the smuggest expression on their face. And then yep. when Kat says his thing, then her face falls and she gets that <laughs> eyebrow thing. <laughs> she is incredibly expressive. Yeah. yeah. As Rosie pointed out, there's no question about her talent. Mm-mm. She is definitely a talented actress. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes the writing has wet her down a little bit, I think. I, or mm. quite a bit. I think that she can milk, like, what script she gets for all it's worth. An ability that's been required by all of the women on the show. <laughs> um, so, apparently, with Crichton, his entire personality was in his RAM chip. So, that's weird. Yeah. But, uh, oh, and, oh, because, yeah, the different heads had different personalities. And... Speaking of the heads, though, so yeah, they, they've blown up all of the spare heads, so does this mean we're not going to get to see more spare head 3? I have been waiting for the spare head 3 episode. That's the general assumption. I have been... Yes. Uh, I have been waiting to see uh, them have to put on spare head 3, and spare head 3 running around the ship being crazy and, and uh, rabscallionous and and hijinks, because that would be funny instead of Crichton's usual whiny mode nowadays. Um, Thanks, Robert Llewellyn. But this this episode, because, you know, at least it's obviously a Crichton-centric episode, and they're finding some interesting things to do. And then we meet Abel. Um, I kept trying to figure out, I was like, okay, we have a brother named Abel, and it's about brothers, and so there's going to be some sort of Cain, Abel, slew his brother thing, one's pleasing, one's not, something going on here, but I I never could quite make the metaphor work for um, why his name would be Abel. Well, it's okay, yeah. the writers didn't either, so. <laughs> but uh, I will point out at this stage, Robert Llewellyn's whole, whole plan, in, and he's been quite vocal about this on his blog, his whole plan in writing that episode was to give himself as little time in the outfit as possible. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I was, I was going to wait on this until we finished the episode, but yeah. Then Doug Naylor did a rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up having to do two characters in Alpha. Yeah. I was, that was actually... He did an impressive job of doing two very separate characters. I mean, yeah, he just put on a different accent and whatnot, but it it was, I think, very effective. 
to quote uh, Robert Llewellyn, I just kept I just kept trying to write myself out and Doug saying, no, you're not getting off that easy. <laughs> and he wrote me back in. So, how would... Then it generally changed over the months until his brother came in and I played his brother. So in the end, I had more masks, I was doing more lines, I really played the prize. Crichton <laughs> didn't feel, feature in it a great deal a great deal. I think his sister who's in it the most. That's the re- that was a very important thing. I didn't write a, a story about my character and nothing else. Hmm. Oh, um, sorry. This is sort of going back a couple steps. Um, uh, Don Henderson, the simulant guy, uh, the yep. part he played mm-hmm. in Star Wars is the guy in A New Hope who in that board meeting with Moff Tarkin and Darth Vader got force choked. That Aww, guy! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't given you... Yeah. <laughs> Haven't given you clairvoyance and Yeah. <laughs> he finds his lack of faith disturbing. Indeed. Hmm. So, um, let's see. We get the Abel thing, and we find out that Abel actually has a very similar backstory to Crichton, and that the ship crashed. It took him a little while to figure out that the rest of his crew was dead. Apparently, this is a, a recurring flaw with the 4000 series. They're not quite clear on the whole dead versus alive thing, but that doesn't stop Crichton from acting as the medical officer on Starbuck. <laughs> anyway, um, Who but else uh, you yeah, so uh, well, that's that's a point. That doesn't hurt. I didn't feel a thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I guess we're supposed to look at this as sort of, uh, you know, um, what Crichton could have been if somebody different had picked him up mm. uh, instead of the, the Red Dwarf. Um, yeah. I'm wondering what not, Robert Llewellyn's uh, original intentions for this episode was. Hmm. If Abel was included it's, in a rewrite, it seemed like it seems like there were some interesting threads that they put in here, but they didn't really explore them terribly deeply. Yeah. It's like, oh, so this is what it's going to be. Nope, here's something completely different. Okay. Yeah, it did feel like well, two scripts sort of hmm. put together and not edited together very well. Because I liked. I liked specific scenes. I just didn't feel like the scenes belonged in the same episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, to quote another, to, to quote the same interview uh, with Robert Llewellyn, what happens in the first scene that Crichton's head blows up? I thought I'd be si- sitting there with no head on. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have to wear my head, no lines, and let all the others do the talking. <laughs> I had this dream where I could only do. I could do one, and I would only have two scenes. One at the beginning, and two scenes at the end. <laughs> wow. That didn't work out. Though. No. So, let's see. Uh, they come back... Oh, oh I'm sorry, what? I was just thinking the moral of the story, just like with Craig Charles complaining he doesn't get enough romantic scenes, don't yeah. play with Doug Naylor. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Um... Let's see, and so uh, Chasey's plan works, uh, they come around, they're going to barter, and uh, then 
Weirdly, the simulant says he's going to prove himself and gives a password for Crichton to open up a particular file. I don't understand quite what that proves or what his goal was or what, but um, okay. I guess to make Crichton feel bad. When did he turn into a Power Rangers villain? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to send my putties to destroy the float they were working on because I just want to ruin their day. (laughs) Why? Thank you. No, really, why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where's Zordon when you need him? (laughs) Right. <laughs> Floating in a tube. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you, but, uh, you mean Power Rangers had something else about it than teen, annoying teenagers in spandex? Oh, so much more. So much more. They had annoying bad, stunt doubles bad, in spandex. <laughs> bad splicing of Japanese and American footage in which a small city in California frequently looks like Japan. <laughs> um... Even though, so, even though Amy Jo Johnson is still incredibly hot. Yes, she is. <laughs> As is Jason um, David Frank. Who Angela is very excited to see at Dragon Con. Heck yeah! So, back to the Power Rangers cast. Yes! Uh, <laughs> I'm all over that. <laughs> Alright, so let's see. They uh, There's some stuff happens and Abel throws his head and some things get shot and teleported and Okay, so that plot's over with uh, for the time being, and we get to find out Crichton's deep, dark secret in traditional gothic uh, romance uh, fashion here, his his deep family secret. And he finds out that uh, he was designed to make fun of a guy that his creator didn't like after he jilted her. Yes. Which, with this sort of response, we can kind of see why the guy jilted her. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. This almost reminded me of people accusing J.K. Rowling of basing Gilderoy Lockhart on her ex-husband. And I don't know why, but, you know, she's, she said no, she didn't. But. but sadly, Crichton was designed after John Warburton instead of Patrick Warburton, because that oh, would Patrick be awesome. Patrick Warburton thought would be amazing. Everything he said would be funny, whether it was written funny or not. I saw someone on Twitter, um, that we're recording after the weekend of Comic-Con, and someone on Twitter said that they met Patrick Warburton at a bar near Comic-Con, and I was like, that sounds like the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> Don't mention Comic-Con. I'm so gutted at the minute. I really wanted to go to Comic-Con. Aww. Come to Dragon-Con. Hang out with us. Hang out in Georgia in the Labor Day heat wearing costumes. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Can you imagine it? I'd wear a dress, a bonnet, Doc Martin boots. (laughs) And a bottle of of, um, banana ketchup. And you would not stick out in any way whatsoever there. No, not a dragon no, gun. Like, I'm, oh. I'm just, I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing that um, the Doctor Who panels just finished. Mm. I know. I know. Apparently, they showed a trailer of the 50th anniversary as well. Oh, I gotta look that up. 
Nope, not allowed. They, apparently, it's um thingy says... I was reading, uh, like, someone was blogging throughout it, and apparently uh, Steve Moffat says, um, no one record this under any circumstances whatsoever. Like, something like legal proceedings will be brought against you. It's that secret, so... Now they're going to do yeah. it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Amy Pond has shaved her head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. What was it, what was also funny about the panel is um, Craig Ferguson was hosting, Aww. were moderating yeah. the panel, and see that was some red waffling kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when he introduced the panel, <laughs> he introduced Stephen Moffat as the bastard that killed Amy and uh, Rory. That's it, Rory. Didn't kill them. Mm. He sent them back into the past to. Die natural deaths and write a book. Yeah, there you go. I think. Anywho, back to back to banana ketchup. <laughs> back to banana ketchup. Actually, just a, just a little comment on the the thing about banning filming and things. I think Dara O'Brien gave us the best idea of how pointless that is. He caught a kid filming his concert from the audience. He ended up including a special feature on the DVD, the kid's point of view of the concert. Aww, that's awesome. <laughs> nice. It's just, I think it's just pointless than having that. I mean, I'm sure they just say it for the sake of form. They know they're wasting their breath. Yeah. Um, so let's see then. Uh, we find out that Crichton is a bit depressed because he finds out that he was uh, created as a joke. But then Lister's like, no, nah, you're cooler. And he's like, really? And he's like, yeah. And it's like, okay. Um, and <laughs> so then, over. shocking. <laughs> Yeah, and that shockingly, the the human hating simulant who wants to destroy all humans, who they teleported back to his far superior, faster ship, completely unharmed, mm-hmm. comes after them. Who would have thought what? Uh, that that would happen? And um, so then he starts trying to catch them, and then they go into the asteroid field. <laughs> but he would be crazy to follow them. Okay, and then we come up to one of the worst edited scenes ever. Like, from here on out, the editing and the music and the everything, I could tell what sort of tone they were going for, but everything else in post-production that they included just worked against it. Yeah. That music was like, I kept expecting for them to say, Mortal Kombat! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it was like the thing was they were supposed to be doing like the the classic um, submarine yeah. uh, shtick yeah. where you know it was supposed to be suspense and we're having to be quiet and passing the time and w- wondering if the enemy has left and and but it's not like suspense music it's <laughs> okay I, I think in the same thing it should the vibe should have been the German film Das Boot but what we got mm-hmm. was Macau's Navy right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well put. And the, yeah, while all of this is going on, then we see beef. I mean, Abel uh, <laughs> taking his his heroin or whatever, and um, yeah, like well, the, what what could have been a, a fairly effective scene, I thought, was just sort of blown all to pieces. Yeah, and then uh, like when Crichton like jerks him away and is like, "You're no brother of mine," and he's like, "I didn't mean any harm." There's a laugh after that, and I thought that was like sort of a pathetic, tragic moment, not a, oh, Hable is funny, ha 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 ha. 
especially yeah. given his sacrifice, like, later on. Ugh. Let's laugh at the PTSD drug addict. <laughs> I don't think it's... It, see, I'm a big fan of genre mixing. I like drama in my comedy and comedy in my dramas because I think that the one can make the other more effective. And if, you know, if you want a really good example, um, towards the end of Steel Magnolias, then, you know, there's been a death and the mother is grieving. And then, like, suddenly they say something so ridiculous and you're laughing so hard and crying so hard at the same time. But you've got to be able to mix the genres well. And we did not see that here. Mm. Although I must admit, my favorite Simpsons character is Otto the Weedhead bus driver, so I do find <laughs> him charming in some ways. Also, the uh, the uh, um, Centauri looks a little bit like the Lex. Mm. It has like the giant bug eyes on the front. I don't know, just All random right. thought. Oh yeah, and the uh, the whole Nega Drive thing. Yes, we find out that Crichton has a Nega Drive, and nice uh, that it's f- full of negative emotions and stuff. And I'm really, really hoping that Abel's noble sacrifice here of shooting the Nega Drive at the at the simulant means that Crichton's stupid jealousy and whining has been shot into space. <laughs> and will not be bothering us in the show anymore. That's what I'm really, really hoping that means. We won't really know until the next episode, I suppose. Um, keeping mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I know, I know. Uh, let's see. Oh, no, no, Crash no. landing. Here we, here we go. Um, the Nega Drive blowing up the simulant ship creates a hole in reality, and all of the negative emotions end up going to the Ace Rimmer graveyard where (laughs) it spreads around. There's lots of angry Ace Rimmers running around the galaxy (laughs) spreading whining and chaos and havoc. The escape pod uh, was actually uh, retrieved from a previous Red Wolf shoot. Mm. It was actually the same um, escape pod Used in Series 5's Terraform. Okay. The one that took the, 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 uh, the one that took back to the mothership. Oh, <laughs> I, I guess they only have so many um, escape pods. And according to um, talking about recycling, actually, well, with uh, Captain Chris Cat and Kachansky's Gav costume, uh, are well, the same costumes used for the Galps and the and uh, Emo Hot Polymorph too. I figured. Oh, cool. Yeah. I will point out there's a slight continu- continuity error in that they've got an escape pod, pod at all that's where all of this space will escape. Yeah. Hmm. Can I just, go, going back a little bit, can I just sure. mention, um, I'm surprised the, the creators of Red Dwarf didn't get sued by Sega. <laughs> true. Oh, yes, true. The Mega Drive. Wait, what? Mega Drive. Mega Drive. Uh, that's close enough. I mean, <coughs> yeah, uh, Sega had a thing called the the Mega Drive. Yeah, that's my generation of TV game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a I had a Genesis and then a yeah. see. I stuck with Nintendo and Atari before that. I mean, the Mega Drive's <laughs> the last one I owned. Oh. 
Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, okay, and then, oh yeah, we get our, our little uh, song reference there. Because he's Crichton's brother. Oh. With, with the music and the laugh track not matching the tone anyway. Yeah, again, that could have been a solemn moment and sort of, yeah, sort of been had some pathos there, but instead it was just a random... Ah. Uh, I yeah. recognize that song. Ha 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 ha. I'm going to take that quote as mine, so... Okay, yeah. Uh, it's actually written to finish on the, that particular gag. Uh-huh. But they were so concerned about closing the story on a corona... A reshoot... Well, they certainly did. Yeah, a reshoot was scheduled to bring the Brunette sisters back. This time in a Crichton created Curry World. Wait, what? See, I had no idea... What was going on in that last scene? Mm-hmm. Not in the least. Because, like, okay, that they're eating curry and they f- think it's delicious. That's hilarious. And then the... When Kachansky, Lister, and Cat eat the curry, then it's too hot. And then Look, Crichton's like, oh, I'll work on and that. Lister but, like, fire. was it... Yeah. Like, was it on purpose? Or was... Like, I, if... What could have fixed it is if after that, if Crichton had said, oh, perhaps it's a bit hot, sir. Maybe some ketchup would help. Yeah. yeah that'd be good. Then it would have made sense. It would have been like, oh, it's Crichton's little revenge there, and it's funny. But instead it was like, okay, the curry was hot. That's nice. I, 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 I'd like, I'm sure there was a joke there somewhere, but I, I couldn't find it. And I was like, huh. Very confused as the episode ended. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, unless it's just guys. taking it's just it's just unless it's just like taking the advice of an artificial life form about whether something's safe to eat or not. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe, but he's been cooking for them. He he lives. cooks for them constantly. I mean, the characters in um, um Jane Austen world, so they yeah. take their advice on whether it's any good or not. Yeah. Oh, okay. I never looked up the French Maybe. apples joke. Well, French apples are just tomatoes, but I think they're using it as a uh, euphemism for something we can't say in our ratings, so... Okay. I missed that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, the episode just sort of peters out there. Um, and, yeah, overall, I, like, was confused by it. Like, there were some things that I thought were kind of neat, and, and looking into Crichton's history was, you know, that offers some opportunities, and... Having a reason for Crichton to be upset for once, I thought that was good. And, you know, there were some laughs throughout, but then it was really disjointed. It didn't mesh well as, as a cohesive narrative uh, in the way that, that their episodes have been. Well, a lot of their episodes have been lately. So, I don't know. I, I'm just sort of perplexed as to what to think of this episode. Yeah, it was... What was y'all guys' re- reaction? I'm just curious. <laughs> Um, I enjoyed it, but by this stage of Series 7, I'm not expecting Shakespeare or, or like, Descartes or anything like that, so as long as it entertains me with Red Dwarf, I'm happy. And that goes for TV generally, mm. to be honest. It doesn't have to mm. be a, a master's piece for me to be entertained. Uh, yeah. I couldn't, myself personally, I couldn't stand Kachansky. I thought Kachansky was the yeah. least of their problems. Yeah, to me, she wasn't she wasn't what was throwing me off about this episode. No. The one moment where she wants, to, when she turns around and talks to the wall. Oh, I laughed at that. <laughs> I 
very light. That really, really, um, well, d- d- drove me up the wall, actually. I can't think of a better <laughs> analogy. Was it because she was insulting Cat, or because the delivery was wrong, or because you just didn't like the joke? I think it was insulting Cat. I didn't think she was, you know, not really a nice person. Well, does she that, have to mm-hmm. be? I, I think that brings no us to else. one of the things. <laughs> <coughs> one of the things that causes the vibe towards this series a bit, I think, and that is without Rimmer, cats the butt of the mean jokes. And it's probably mm-hmm. not a good idea to do with what's probably maybe a third to forty percent of your fan base's favourite character. Well, she she said that um, Lister hadn't taken a bath since the nineteenth century. Yeah. But even Lister's making main jokes towards Cat at the moment. Plus, um, like, does, like yeah. I got irritated with her um, in Duck Soup saying uh, when, like, Cat uh, was like, you mean there's no one uh, with expertise, no expertise, at the, expertise helm. at the helm? And then she was like, so business as usual or something like that. That was unwarranted, but her insult was actually warranted there. Because he was like saying with authority that Crichton could have okay. come at any century in the twenty, <laughs> in like well, yeah. it was uh, well, it wasn't Crichton. It was uh, what century yeah. the uh, the century was made in. Yeah. But that's been a that's been a running joke with uh, with Cat. Mm-hmm. Um. Like when you ask him for specifics on something, then he gives the widest range of possible answers, yeah. and then won't even hold to that. But yeah, I don't know. It was I. I wasn't particularly bothered by that. I, I guess I guess I could see that though. It comes out throughout the whole series, though. I mean, you constantly. I mean, take it take it back an episode or two, so we're not dealing with with clash from this one. And you got Lister referring to cat um, anything involving a puckered body cavity and an ice cube, or. Which is really mm. their best buddies type thing, and, and best buddies do say that sort of thing to each other, but not seriously usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else before we move on to um, feedback and the like? No, I'm I'm fine. Okay. Uh, well, let's see then. I guess we'll do feedback and then an ad, or ad and then feedback, or how you want to do this. Let's go for an ad. Okay. They're here, aren't they? Mr. Mulder, they've been here for a long, long time. If you're an X-Files fan, please tune in to the X-Files Truth podcast at xfilestruth.com. Look us up on Facebook, X-Files Truth Podcast. And find us on iTunes. Just search for XFT and scroll down to podcasts. Email the show at xfilestruth at live.com. You think this is about Mulder? It's about the truth, John. What truth? You got it all right in front of you. It's all in the X-Files. And we're back, and we have a ton of feedback this time around. Uh, So we're probably not going to be able to read all of it word for word, but we can uh, maybe just get the gist of it. Uh, let's see, Russ Greeno says, um, the biggest mistake in this episode was Crichton's middle name being off, uh, <laughs> by a letter. Um, 
It was a mistake. I'm not sure it's the biggest mistake. Two X four B, not two X four C, as the episode stated. Um, if I can be pedantic, I'm not yeah. sure it's a mistake. In very old computers, you'd have the the motherboard would be one letter, and the chip that fit it would be another letter, but the rest of the serial number would be the same. Ah. Okay. I do not know that. <laughs> That's going back to the uh, old um, XAT type standard. That's the old 386286 type design. Well, yeah. See, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend like I didn't know what that meant, but I actually did put together a couple of really old IBM computers, so I, I actually followed that. Um, let's see. Uh, Phil Baker just says, this is Second Tinder 4, worst episode ever. Um... <laughs> He said uh, he didn't like the Pride and Prejudice stuff, and he liked the Camelot stuff better. Uh, the rest gets bogged down in clunky exposition. Wait, no, he said he rough. said he liked Pride and Prejudice and preferred it over Camelot. Oh, you're absolutely right. I'm so sorry. I'm reading too fast. It's okay. Um, but he says it gets bogged down. Uh, it's a laugh-free zone. Um, the golf costumes, he doesn't think Cat would wear them. And it takes credibility of the Gelfs away that we've already said. Yeah, I guess if they are using the actual costumes of the Gelf as costumes, then it kind of makes the Gelf look like costumes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, when Ian Lee uh, described Red Dwarf as neither good comedy or good science fiction, it must have been <laughs> this show he saw. Wow. Okay. Okay, um, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to do Rosie's accent again. Oh, this will be fun. Sorry, Rosie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I refuse to believe or accept that this episode exists. Alarming concoction of characters behaving completely out of character and just not funny people. I mean, I love a stealthy, whiny mechanoid with a tank as much as the next gal, but this episode did not work for me at all. Come back, Duck Soup. All is forgiven. That was atrocious. <laughs> you know what? That wasn't your worst attempt. Sorry, Rosie. <laughs> Ian Symes is, is like barely a joke, more like. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> uh, uh, somebody want to summarize Sam there? No. <laughs> uh, Sam's. Sorry, Sam. Sam says he likes the episode. Um, thought that Abel serial number was. One up making Crane's brother. Uh, Rampage and the AR was funny. Uh, problem was Crane's spare heads were destroyed. Sad. No more spare head three. Uh, Crichton wasn't whiny, whiny, more pissed off. Um, and Nega Drive also helps explain stuff slightly if we ignore other things. I hope. <laughs> I hope. Um, gives more an explanation of designer and general history of the 4000 series. Uh, not uh, the greatest ever, but nice to have Crichton in the spotlight. Instead of him Instead of <laughs> unwittingly trying to kill the crew. <laughs> That's a point, too. Yeah, when he's when he's uh, fussing at uh, Abel and he was all like, you endangered the lives of the crew, breaking the most basic <laughs> android tenet and and I'm like, yeah, like you did, just like two episodes ago. Remember? <laughs> Crashing into the sun, spiraling out of control into an asteroid field. Yeah, that. Um, Maybe he's forgotten after getting hit in the head with a spanner. There you go. What? Uh, oh, okay, yeah. 
Oh, I suppose I should do one now, shouldn't I? Um, I suppose. <laughs> what are we up to? Are we up to Ewan's? Uh, I've just zoned out for some reason. Yeah, um, just pop up on, uh, on Ewan there. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. We're going to get through this. Okay. I'm mature. <laughs> In the past, I really disliked this episode, but over the years... just going to read his comic now. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, sorry, a little sorry, bit sorry, more. Okay. There is more justification to his whininess. There is. Hmm. This episode had issues. Where did it? The girl costumes. He hates library music. Hideous library um, music. He didn't know what a T seventy two tank he's doing in a World War Two game. Yes, yeah, there was Ewan that said that. Thank you, Ewan. Yeah. Um, he enjoyed Crichton and Abel, which is probably obviously a play on Kane and Abel. Uh, but not. Yeah. Um, it's the weakest. Well, to me, it's the weakest one of series seven. Mm. But um, he thinks he's a weaker episode. Yay! That was the worst feedback I've ever read. I apologise for that, Ewan. <laughs> you, I, you I did know a you good put job. like. You're and you're I know you did an hour of at least an hour of typing that that, that segment. <laughs> And I apologise, I only gave it 15 seconds of my time. You even did say there that uh, maybe our theories about cat are correct and that uh, two unfortunate gelfs fell victim to the cat. <laughs> oh, I missed that bit, them. yeah. Uh, I like cat, the, cat the Conqueror. James Cohen writes, Talbot episode, the Crichton PMT joke is evidence the writing is shoddy. Really? Mm. Angela, you're I- up next. I don't think that was a particularly bothersome joke. Although, oh, uh, fun fact though, here it's almost always PMS. PMT is, is I think, particularly yeah. British. I've always thought it was PMS. I don't know what what's PMT. First menstrual. Tension. Yeah. Oh, tension. Oh, tension sheets. <laughs> from going on about Kachaski, but here it is. I love you, Chloe, in that. Aww. Uh, the fact that you don't take the script and beat someone around the head with it makes you a better person. Aww. And then Vredge posts this awesome picture of Crichton's head. The weird sculpted Crichton head. <laughs> oh, and he says he likes the ketchup and lobster bit. That's cool. Pretty good. And, you know, sometimes the mediocre jokes sort of become, like, the jokes you use over and over, like in the Buffy beer episode, then whenever there's beer, then I have to say, uh, beer foamy. (laughs) Um, Nutty says, because you're talking about about the the television set, Nutty says, Lister and crew were just playing rude. The video game could play be played at any time, but lobster should not be sitting in the oven, not being eaten. Exactly. And she loves the green mechanoid. Hmm. His name is Abel Nutty. You should know that, <laughs> being a Red Dwarf fan. <laughs> Abel! Sending us whether Davros's head is next to Crichton's. <laughs> um, and oh, no, okay, yeah, there is Davros's head right there. That's cool. Okay. 
I had not noticed. Uh, let's see. Who, who wants to do Daniel more, Burks? More pictures, more pictures. Awesome, good. And, and do do pop in and look at the these yeah. pictures that Reg is posting. But yeah, uh, yeah. Some, somebody read Daniel. Daniel. Uh, Daniel says, hi everyone, long time listener, first time poster. I think the episode starts very strongly and I really like the bit Pride and Prejudice world, but loses it in the second half. Um, mm. We learn more about Crichton's origins, plot gets very messy, as people pointed out, it's not that funny. Shame, because I think Robert Llewellyn is a very good writer. Some of his novels are excellent, as is his Red Dwarf memoir, but this is not his best. Mm. Shane, it's your turn to impersonate Rosie now. So like, yep, that's right. And uh, more writing and stuff. Okay. And Stevens is absolutely dreadful. I don't know why it's said that in that accent, but just that. Is it dreadful? Absolutely dreadful. Um, Tries to be slapstick, but fails. Okay. Crichton line near the more end is good, but about bad. More talk about the television centre. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Victor Massey After Ticker, this is my second favourite episode of the series. Really? Wow. Um, the amusing Crichton jealousy subplot um, for him, Crichton is without a doubt his best in his episode. Wow. The classic ketchup scene, Pride and Prejudice World, great casting a Sigmund it, in mm. brackets one of the most memorable Red Dwarf baddies of all time. Mm. Doesn't mean that many. Um, an interesting side character in Abel. Also crying, in a tank, blowing stuff up. I mean, what's not to like about this most opposite episode? This is classic Red Dwarf, in my opinion, and he's without a doubt one of my favourite episodes of all time. Is wow. Ian, Ian facetious here? <laughs> I mean, if you like the episode, I, I'm not maybe saying not. against maybe it. Maybe not. I mean, hey, if it worked for him, exactly. it worked for him. And, and some things in this episode worked very well yes. for me. Um, a lot did not. So, um, Sam says, ah, the late Don Henderson. Yes, this was his last acting role before he passed away. Very good in this episode. A different kind of simulant to those previously seen. Uh, more uh, Druckern human killing machine instead of outright psychopathic. Hmm. Uh, the, the tank came from Goldeneye. Woohoo! Says Nick Ridley. Uh, thank you, Nick. Uh, oh, okay, and then, yeah, with Rimmer gone, Cat gets stuff to do, and that's fine by yeah. me. Huh. And Crichton bumping off the Bennets is awesome. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, I uh, think. Stuff about special yeah. effects, uh, GMP, blah, 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 DVD. Uh, that makes sense when what were they on with that and the, the head and solved and okay so where's the evidence okay awesome thank you all for leaving feedback we're sorry that we have to um, sort of mumble summarize your feedback but it was quite yes. long <laughs> there's a lot and yeah that's awesome okay um, oh we had an email feedback another one another one wow I will two in a row I will We'll dig that up right here on me phone. Stephen Fletcher says, uh, another episode from Series 7 that he feels is underrated. Uh, not the greatest episode. Don't, doesn't think it's the worst either. Um, he likes the comedy drama format of this series. Uh, some great concepts there. He can't disagree that they may not have executed it as well as they could have been. Wait. 
that they may not be executed as well as they could have been. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, it's an episode that I still enjoy watching. Oh, thank you, Stephen Fletcher. Uh-oh. So, uh, if you have feedback for us, then you can put it on the Facebook group and we will mumble right through it. Um, <laughs> no, no we, we do read all of the feedback. Um, just maybe not on the air. Um because, yeah, we're getting a lot of feedback, and that's awesome. Uh, you can email us, like Stephen Fletcher, at uh, theredwarfpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us a twi- tweet at... Twitter.com slash redwarfintro. Do hang around the Facebook group, or the Facebook spoilers group, if you are not a, a newbie like us. Uh, and maybe pop onto iTunes, subscribe, um, and uh, slap a rating on there, you know, and tell folks uh, that this is something worth listening to if you think this is something worth listening to. And if you don't, what are you doing? It's not worth listening to. Or so you say, fine, we don't like you anyway. But to the rest of you, we really like you. So there you go. <laughs> Moving on, let's do some quotes. Uh, or wait, do we do quotes or ratings first? We do ratings first. Well, okay. See, I can never keep it straight. Mm. Okay, ratings. Let's do ratings. Uh, Darren, you get to rate first. Um, I actually agree with Stephen Fletcher in a lot of what he said. I, I don't think it's quite as bad as it's sometimes painted. But then again, as I've said already, it's not exactly a masterpiece either. Um, I think I'd give it about 6 out of 10 Mega Drives. May I, oh. may I go next? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. You're um, welcome. Mm-hmm. Hope you don't charge me for that. But anyway, uh, um, this episode feels to me like it's two half episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the great Pride and Prejudice stuff with the tank at the start. Then it just falls down um, completely from that. First half of the episode, I would give um, a nine. However, the second half of the episode, I'm going to have to give a three. <laughs> so, an average of six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, an, yes. An average of six. So, it's going to be six tanks coming out of the sea. Okay. <laughs> I'll go Paul, now. what do you think? Um, meh. <laughs> You're just going to give it a meh. Uh, I'm. <laughs> there was only one good bit of this whole episode, and there's one good line which I, I'm afraid is going to be. I am so terrified it's going to be stolen because I only have one quote. Because it's only one quote that's worthy of being quoted. <laughs> um. I've I've never been a fan of Jane Austen either, mm. although there was that. Crichton was really funny in that beginning bit. In, in Pride and Prejudice World, Crichton was the star, but the rest is rather forgetful. I'm going to give this four Ultrazone bottles out of ten. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I think I think we, we are pretty much in agreement about this, um, Overall, and then that's that it has some good bits, but it's it's disjointed. Um, some things just don't seem to fit. The plot doesn't really make sense if you give it any attention at all. Um, 
still, though, I mean, I have to give credit for for some of the character development and some of the laughs. I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and follow and give it six um, six insane uh, droid designers. Very insane. Yeah, I'm I'm echoing what everyone else said, and honestly, it depends on if you find bits of it appealing. But I think most people can say it just doesn't hang together as an episode. Um, so I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10 um, stolen tubes of leg wax, even though leg wax doesn't come in a tube. <laughs> maybe it does in Britain. We don't know. Or maybe it does in the future. <laughs> yeah. You were, you were saying, uh, Angela, that how much you loved the episode when you first watched it. It's the second viewing. Um, yeah. The stupid Mortal Kombat music. The um, yeah. like, I really enjoyed a lot of the things they were attempting. But it's like two or three people were attempting two or three different things and could never agree on what they were attempting. Yeah, because that mm. actually that actually mirrors um, the uh, the polling that. They, they've done over the years mm. because on the Better Than Life poll which was done in 1997 just after this series finished uh, but, um, uh, Beyond <laughs> a Joke uh, finished in 1997 uh, Beyond a Joke became number 21 mm-hmm. and then what? yeah sorry go ahead then uh, in the Gedmead and Totem poll which was done Earlier this year, it was as I as I just had it here, and I need to find it again. Number fifty-five. Yeah, I can see that. See, that actually makes sense to me, but I still can't help but feel uh, if it's in series seven, it's going to be in the fifties with the Ganymede and Titanfall. <laughs> I don't care what episode <laughs> it is. But uh, I can um, see it. It's fair for this one. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, this episode I actually kind of agree yeah. with. Yeah, I just think that I, I can't help but feel that some of the episodes that I've liked better in Series 7 are being painted with the same brush um, as episodes like this one. But, oh well. Um, it's a poll. Whatever. Let's do some quotes. Darren, um, you get to go first. Yeah, I'm worried I'm going to steal Paul's only quote, though. <laughs> are we talking about the extremely corny line just before the end? No. Okay. Are you all right, Crutch? He ain't heavy, sir. He's my brother. Aww. Incredibly corny, and that's exactly no, no, why no, I it's... love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an awe, apparently. That's a weird canned laughter yeah. sound. <laughs> okay, go, Paul. I'm not going to be able to do it justice now because I built it up. But no, no I do <clears> your quote. Perhaps I didn't. <clears throat> I don't know where that <clears throat> bit came from. Uh, perhaps I didn't make myself clear. I said supper is ready. <laughs> <laughs> you all, you, the rest of you don't need to quote now because the rest of it's. <laughs> Let's see. I've got uh, one. I will. Is my good. Oh, okay. Look, the rule is simple. I will not eat any animal that's ever been in the cartoon. Weevils, rabbits, dogs, cats, 
mites, roadrunners, all out. I'm Hold not. On. I'm not a cartoon of all. There's plenty of chicken cartoons. Yeah, I want. Uh, I, I have Hold to. Hold on. Be. Sorry. You said Weevil there. This is what I just. I just. Yeah. It's just clicked in my head, even though I've watched Red Dwarf like several hundred times. Right. He said he doesn't eat Weevil. Yeah. Remember, Craig keeps trying to feed him Weevil, but he doesn't like it. Yeah. yeah but do you not remember in um, Polymorph? Space Weevil. Yeah, he might still mm-hmm. think that's a crunch, crunchy king prawn, though. Mm. Oh, good point, yeah. I forgot what that bit. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'd, I'd like Lister uh... to tell me exactly what animal hasn't been cartoonized. <laughs> right? He's chicken all the time, and there's lots of cartoon chickens. Of course, how silly of me. After all, you've always been a fan of penetrating 19th century observations middle-class manners. I mean, just because you own a t-shirt advertising the rock band colonostomy explosion doesn't mean you're not a master of erudition. I can think of one more which I really enjoyed. Go ahead, go ahead. Why are we asking his advice? Let's ask someone who can at least give us a slightly sensible opinion. (laughs) Hello, Wall. What do you think? It's Shane's favorite <laughs> joke. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a cat one which is all right, but yeah. Mm. Oh wait a minute, see. I'll do the. Uh... You want ketchup? Um, brown, not tomato. Brown. It's not like I've got no plus. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone still unclear as to the supper situation? No? <laughs> Excellent. And with that, we end the show. Oh, no, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. No. We gotta theorize. We've got stuff to do. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There was a quote. There was a quote. Hang on. Okay. Um. I thought you said you knew what you were doing. No, I just said, hey. If you'd let me finish the whole sentence, it'd have been, hey. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I like that the hey before that was sort of Fonzie-ish. Hey. 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 So then he wraps on Crichton with his knuckles and starts working again. It's awesome. Uh, Fonzie was with his elbow. Fonzie was an awesome character right up until the moment he literally jumped a shark. Was yes. was that when he jumped the shark? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> where the, I think that's where the actual expression mm-hmm. jumped from. It is, and of course, the counter to jumping the shark is uh, growing the beard. Yeah, <laughs> a la Star Star Trek TNG. When Riker grows the beard, the show gets good. Everything he's good, he's in. If he's no beard, he's terrible. If he's got the beard, north and south, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, what is our next episode, Shane? Next episode is Epideme. Yay! Epideme? Spell that. E-P-I-D-E-M-E. Epideme. Yep. Epideme. Ah, not not epiderm. Mm. Hmm. So kind of like epitome, but with things transposed. Epidemi. 
Epidemia. I'd have no idea right. what this could I be don't about. Know. Don't worry, don't worry, because Ange- Angela will make a guess and it'll be. Stolen. I know she'll say something off the cuff and it'll be perfect. Yeah. Um. Epidemia. I don't know. Maybe there's an epidemic of yeah. um, Crichton's negative energy has <gasps> yep. done a flashback right. and um, it has infected the other three characters and now Crichton has to deal with um, his own whininess and sees how annoying he's been all season. There we go. I like at, it. At, I like as it. said by the other characters. So we get to see Whiny Cat, Whiny Kachansky, and Whiny Lister. Nice. I'd actually love to see nice. Danny John Jules do Whiny Cat. <laughs> well, you will next week. <laughs> <laughs> Theoretically. Yeah, that's as good a guess as any. I have no nothing for Epidemic. That's weird. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll find out. Uh, Darren, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for putting, putting up with my terrible ones today. I hope you feel better, man. Um, getting up in the wee hours of the Australian morning. Indeed. In fact, it's already tomorrow for you. Isn't <laughs> yeah, you guys all live He's in the Speaking past. from the future. <laughs> the future. Quick, Marty, we've got to go back to Australia. <laughs> Gee, talk, this is heavy. <laughs> Quit, Scott. Um. All right. So let's find out next week uh, that Angela was somehow exactly right, or that she just predicted what the episode would be about like a week ago without realizing. Yeah. Uh, until then, uh, once again, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you all, especially for um, your your kind donations and supporting us in this, uh, so we can. You, and now you can just listen to the whole thing again. Just listen to the early episodes and see how much we've improved. <laughs> uh, so yeah, because unlimited bandwidth is awesome. Um, until next week, bye. Bye bye. Bye bye, everybody. Later. If you like Red Dwarf, this will make your day. Longtime fans and newbies watch and they review each episode and have their say. The Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf, intro can Red Dwarf fans can have a blast rehashing episodes long past on the Red Dwarf, intro cast. The Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf, intro cast. Angela leave listeners aghast Because episodes fans love They lambast Yet think ones fans don't like Unsurpassed Shane and Paul have been fans for quite some time They try not to give spoilers That would be a crime Great guests like Natty, Nutris, and Ian Symes Are on the Red Dwarf intro cast Where listeners' ears get harassed by Occasional singing Sorry, I hope this time is the last